0: For me. Okay, so uh, we're going to be in 1 Timothy tonight. We're going to be in 1 Timothy chapter 4. And um, as I was preparing for this message, I thought about, I know many of you in the room, you're in a D group and uh, maybe you've been going through the book happily with your D group. And so it's just a marriage study. If you haven't, I highly recommend it. But I thought as I was preparing and just wrapping my mind and my heart around this text, I thought specifically about a, uh, a page in here that I remember vividly. And uh, and so I just want to, I just, I thought I could summarize it for you, but I feel like it'll be better if I just read it for you. And this will give us a good understanding and help us frame some things in on our discussion tonight. And so this will kind of launch us into where we're headed. So this is what he says. He says, I have a friend who is an amazing musician. When people want to record, he is the first they call to play guitar. When someone has an event with music, his band is the main draw. Every Sunday, he's one of the first in the church building, volunteering his time by playing music. It's not unusual after church or after a gig for people to come up to my friend and say, man, I wish I could play the guitar like that. If he doesn't know them, he smiles and thanks them. But if he knows them well enough to be truthful and funny, he says... No, you don't. If you really did, you would go home and practice. (laughs) If you really wanted it, years ago while in school, you wouldn't have gone to the party on Saturday night. You would have stayed home and practiced your guitar like I did. If you truly desired to play the guitar well, you would have sacrificed hours upon hours to perfect the skill. It's nice to say but you really don't want to play the guitar like this because it takes far more time than you are willing to give, which would be a mic drop. At that point, he says, you know, if he knows him well enough to be truthful and funny, you know, it starts out funny and then it's like, oh, kind of just puts you in your place. Like, no, if you really wanted this, then you would have sacrificed the way in which I sacrificed. You would have gone the extra mile. You would have done everything that it takes. See, I didn't just show up here and step up on the stage and start playing the guitar and play like this. There's some things that went into this. And if we want to grow, if we want to excel at something, that means it's going to take a lot of time. It's going to take a lot of effort. It's going to take a ton of sacrifice. You don't just show up and you're good at something. That's not how it works but then I started thinking, I started thinking how we live in a culture who we just, we're, we're soft. We like comfortable. If we're honest, we live in a culture, like we, we do everything that we can to stay comfortable. We like, we like convenience. If we can, if there's a choice between the easy way and the hard way, and we're going to get the same result. We want to take the easy way. That's the, that's the way in which we want to go. And we want everything instantly. And so we want to be able to play the See, I believe there's some people in the room that you would say, man, I wish I could play the guitar like that. But we want it today. We don't want to do all the things that it takes to get to the place where we can, we can play the guitar well. We live in a culture. I used to say it's um, the microwave culture versus the crockpot culture. You know, the microwave we want it now versus the way it used to be where we had to wait for the crockpot. But now I, I was thinking today, as I was thinking about this illustration, I was thinking it's not really the microwave versus the crockpot anymore. Now it's the Instapot culture versus the crockpot culture. Because who knew Instapot was a thing? So it basically cooks your... I'm not telling y'all anything you don't know, maybe some of the guys in the room, but evidently it cooks your food the same way a crock pot does, but just in a fraction of the time. I guess it's like a pressure cooker or something. I don't know. But that's the world we live in because we're constantly gone, we're constantly busy. We got to get this done. We want this the easy way so we can move on to the next thing. We we want we live in a culture who wants to make the wants the get rich scheme. And especially today, I feel like it's more along the lines of, uh, more along the lines of investing, and so we want to, we want to just quickly overnight investment to turn into millionaires, and whether that's stocks and bonds or whether that's cryptocurrency, we just want to invest in the next big thing and we want to be overnight millionaires, or we want things like a like a diet pill, or we want to take things where we can lose twenty five pounds in a month, without any kind of discipline. See, we don't want to give to the long haul investing in something over the years. We don't want to give to the long work and, and give to that and, and work hard for those things. We, we don't want to, to do what it takes to train and become physically fit and eat healthy and lose, you know, a pound or two a week. We want, we want it all and we want it now. And we want to take the shortcut. We want the easy way. We want to find a loophole. We want, and if we're not honest, I mean, if we're honest, what happens is is these things, uh, you've heard me say this before, but what happens is these things begin to, culture begins to bleed into the church. And it begins to, we're influenced by the culture in which we live. And so to think that we're not is foolish. It's foolish. And so what happens is, is this type of thinking and this type of uh, just, approaching things is is it ties into the church. And what happens is, is people will will look around the church and find people that are more spiritually mature. And then we say things and think things like, man, I wish I was more like so-and-so. And and I think that comes from a honest place. And I think that there's people and that we should have in our lives that we should look up to and that we should learn from and that we should, we should be invested in by, and, and all those things, those things are important. But what we, we don't mean that. What we mean is the same thing that they meant. No, you don't. You don't want to be like so-and-so. Because that's going to mean you're going to need to be up at five o'clock in the morning on your knees before the Lord. That's what that means. That means not we're not sleeping in tomorrow. And you know what we're doing the next day? The same thing. And we're just going to walk out obedience over and over. And so a lot of times we want these things, but it's like, okay, well, do I really? Because do I want to do what it takes to, to achieve those things, to grow in those ways? I can remember... Years and years, I would have conversations with uh, teenagers and they would say things like, man, Mr. Brian, I wish I knew the Bible like you. And I would try not to discourage them because the thing is, is you're a teenager. I've been walking with the Lord for a couple decades now. So don't expect to, you know, some of you, you're young Christians. And so I don't want you to be discouraged. And I don't want you to like, you're young Christians. Okay. Like God's God wants to grow you, and there's a process, and, and there's a prescription that we're going to see tonight. But it's got to be His way. And so I would tell, tell teenagers, I, hold on, you know, you're, you've been a Christian for two years. I've been a Christian for two decades. So don't expect to be where I am in two years. But also, don't expect to get here. And I'm not saying I know everything there is about Scripture, I'm not saying I, some of you know the Bible better than I do, some of you in the room. But I'm just saying, you want to know how I got here? For the past 20 plus years, there very few days have gone by where I have not spent time with the Lord in prayer. Where in very few days, uh, well every day spent time with the Lord in prayer, but very few days have I not opened my Bible and just just come before the Lord and asked him to grow me and shape me and mold me and spend time with him and his word and allowing myself to be transformed by the renewal of my mind through scripture like very few days over the course of decades and so there there, I've I've committed memory verses to memory I've been faithful in attending church and sitting under the teaching and preaching of God's Word. And that begins to shape and mold you over the course of time. And so it didn't just happen. There's a a prescription. There's a process. And so we've got to do it. We've got to do it God's way. And you can't expect to get there any other way than God's way. And so we begin by saying that Paul gives us a prescription for how God wants us to grow in godliness. We're going to see tonight that Paul is going to give us the prescription. And it's not the comfortable way. It's not the convenient way. It's not the instant way. That's not how it works. That's what we want. That's what we're conditioned to believe that that's achievable and attainable, but just because of the culture in which we live. And I believe, I mean, I'm looking across the room. I, I'm, I know the people that are here. And I believe with all my heart that I would say everybody in the room has a desire to grow in godliness. You're here tonight because you want to grow. Okay? Here's the point. That it's got to be God's way. We've got to do it according to what God shows us in his word. We don't come up with our own ideas about how we grow in godliness. That leads us to disappointment. It leads us to regret. It leads us just to wishing that we were more like so-and-so. And never achieving and being the things that, that we desire or God wants for us. And so before we begin, we'll, we'll pick up in verse 6 here in just a minute. But what I want to do is I want to take just a minute because it's important. Because verse 6 is kind of this connecting uh, verse in between what Tony preached on last week and where we're going tonight. So I wanted to hit two points that Tony made last week that will frame everything in so that you'll understand where we're coming from and where we're going. So he made the point that what we believe and confess about Christ is everything because it shapes how we live. What we believe shapes what we do. 100%. And so we spend a lot of time. And so the the point was like, we got to make sure that we believe the right things. That we're building our life on the truth found in Word. And so his principle that he gave us was this. If we get the truth wrong, then we will get our lives wrong. And so it's so important for us that we build our life on the foundations and the truth that's found in the Word of God. And so we got to be careful and we got to come before the word of God and we got to keep a, a close watch and we got to make sure that our lives are lining up with what scripture teaches and that we're allowing ourselves to be influenced by by scripture and by the truth found in the word. Okay? All right. Verse 6. Remember, we're building off of that from last week. He says, "If you put these things before the brothers, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus." because we have our hope set on the living God, who is the Savior of all people, especially for those who believe. Okay, so something we need to understand before we get going. So we, see, we can see clearly here that there, there's words here that Paul's using. He's using words like train and toil and strive. There's this, there's this picture of giving effort. But what we need to understand is God is not opposed to effort, but he is opposed to earning. We need to understand that. Because these are words of, of like, hey, we, we got some skin in the game. There's some things that we're responsible for. You can't just show up and expect to, to grow in godliness. You're going to have to do something. But that's not earning right standing with God. Jesus earned that for us. We placed our faith in him. And so now we're just, it says in verse 10, if you, if you look back, it says, For to this end we toil and strive because we have our hopes set on the living God who is the Savior of all people. So we understand that he's the Savior, not us. Our earning doesn't earn us right standing and save us. It's only through the blood of Christ that we are saved. And we can't earn that. We can't earn something. But once we are saved, then we play a part in the growth. There's this process of sanctification. And we play a part of that growth in our life once we're saved. And so think of it like this we toil and strive because we are saved, not in order to be saved. And so that'll help us kind of understand things. We, we toil and we strive and we put forth effort because we are saved, not in order to be saved. I do want to address something before we move on in verse 10, because he says, who is the savior of all people, especially of those who believe. So is he saying there that all people are saved? Because he says, who is the Savior of all people? Is that what he's is that what he's saying? No. If, if you look at uh, and I think I put this on your handout in First Timothy, uh, just two chapters before this, in verse three, it says, "This is good and is pleasing in the sight of God, our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of truth." And so, God desires. For all people to be saved, he makes available, he makes salvation for all people, but not everyone will be saved. Does that make sense? So his desires for all to be saved, salvation is made possible and available for all people, but not everyone will be. Think of it like this: God is the potential savior for all, but the effective savior for some. It's only those that place their faith in Christ that confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That's that's how it works. So that's how we have to think of it. And that's what he's saying there, not that all people will be saved. Okay, so we see this whole picture of godliness and growing in godliness and training and what's going on here. I I was thinking uh, as I was preparing for this, I was thinking about how I I don't think you have to convince anybody in the Western culture that, um, you know, the importance and significance of physical fitness and taking care of our bodies. I mean, we have a culture uh, that is obsessed about the body. If, if you think about it, I mean, we have gyms on every corner uh, and you can find one to your liking. You know, if you like to, I prefer the $10 a month where it's cheap. That, that's personally my, but you know, if you're into all these other, all these other things and you can go, you know, they have these gym. My son goes to the gym where there's no air conditioning, which I don't know about you, but that sounds terrible. It's in a warehouse with no air conditioning. And he pays money to go. I don't understand it. But you got all these CrossFit stuff. You you can pay for a personal trainer. We have all these health food stores that offer every supplement known to man. And if you take this supplement, this is good for you. This is that. Try this. Do this. and, And we do. We spend millions upon millions upon millions of dollars buying these supplements and making sure we get organic. And, and I'm not saying any of this is bad. I'm just saying this is the world we live in. So I don't have to convince you that, that fitness is of some value because we live in a world where there's a diet plan for everybody in the room. There really is. And so you find one that works. And when that one doesn't work, you go find another one. And you know, when that one doesn't work, you go find another one and so on and so forth. But here's what, here's what Paul doesn't do. He doesn't discount the value of physical fitness. He's not saying, hey, you're wasting your time. He says, no, there's some value. There's some value in this. Some of you in the room, I see at the gym, right? I see you when we're there. Like there's some value to this. He acknowledges the benefit of physical training to keep the body healthy. But what he does do is he points out the fact that, hey, this is of temporal value in comparison to eternal value of your spirit and your spiritual state. And so think about all those who have achieved the pinnacle of this physical fitness. Think about, think about the one who m- makes it to the Olympics. Think about the professional athlete who sacrificed blood, sweat, tears, money over the course of their life to achieve, to, to be a professional athlete athlete and all the fame that comes with that and all the prestige and all the money that comes with that and the trophies and the rings and all the things that come with that and what Paul is saying it's like hey there's nothing wrong with those are those are good things and we understand the work that it took to achieve those things but understand something it's all going to pass your fame you're going to be forgotten your prestige your money your trophies your rings it's all going to you, you can't take it with you. And it's nice while it lasts is what Paul's saying. It's nice while it lasts, but it's not going to last. So receive it for what it is. And the point he's making is, is that the eternal worth of godliness far outweighs any temporary worth found in the things of this world. But here's the danger. Here's the danger. So many people give more attention to the temporary things of the world than they do the spiritual things in their lives. And so just just think about not us in the room, because I'm not talking about us. I'm talking about them out there. Think about all the people who, I mean, they plan their meals. They, they, kick, they cook their food in advance, section it out. They, they plan out their workouts. They pay for personal trainers. They they do all the things, they, get, they, they spend their money on the supplements, they make sure that they do everything, get every. they spend all, a lot of time and energy and effort in preparing those things. Think about someone who, uh, that's the way they approach vacations. And so they, they sacrifice all year long in order to go on a vacation to some spot and not only they just go to they're not going to any spot I mean they do the research and spend all this time and effort and trying to make sure that they find the right location we go at the right time and we're going to make sure we have everything in order and we got a list of all the things we're going to and spend so much time and effort and energy putting it into this to this vacation or career I mean we'll devote years of our life to go to school so that we can go down the path of the career in which we want to we want to go to and, and we'll sacrifice, and we'll go in debt up to our eyeballs, and then we'll sacrifice once we get into that career, and we'll do everything that it takes to climb the ladder. Uh, we'll sacrifice for our kids, and we'll, man, we will do anything to, you know, to prepare for their future, and we'll dump loads and loads of money to make sure that we, we're, we're sending them down the right path. Or we spend all this time and energy just making sure that we keep them safe. And so we'll, we'll dig into this agenda and we'll embrace this and we'll do all this research and study. And you see what I'm saying? Like we'll do all these things in all these different ways. We'll figure out our finances and, and sacrifice so that we can save for retirement. And we can we, we make sure we, we do the research and we invest in the right things and we do it the right way. And we give ourselves... And just like Paul, I don't discount the value of any of these. Because I don't want you to feel like, dang, I got to stop with all these things. I'm not saying, no, I don't discount the value of any of these things. They're, they're good things. There's they're some good value in these things. I mean, they can become sinful things. But the point is, is that in and of themselves, they're not bad things. And so I don't discount the value of any of these. The problem is, is when we pay less attention and devote less of our time, energy, and effort to spiritual things than we do to the temporary things because none of those things are going to last. None of them are going to last. And so when we train and we toil and we strive for those things while neglecting growing in godliness, that's wrong. And that's what Paul's saying. It's like, we should give ourselves to the things that matter most. And, and it's not just for so many people. It's not just that, hey, I'm not, I'm not striving and straining and, and training and toiling. It, it's not that I'm not doing it anymore. Like, I'm giving more of myself to those things than I am growing in godliness. And it shouldn't be that way. And so we've got to get things in order. And then what happens is we look around and we're like, well, why am I not growing, God? Like it's his fault. When he's given us the prescription, he's told us how to do it. And yet we give ourselves to all these things that at the end of the day, they don't matter. And they're just, gonna, they're just temporary. And then we look at God and wonder, man, why am I so far from God? Why, why am I here? Why am I? Well, we give ourselves to other things. That's why. That's why. Verse 11, Paul says to Timothy, he says, command and teach these things. You know, it's interesting to me. I'm going to just kind of pause at a couple places here. He, He doesn't say, hey, make some suggestions, Timothy. Make some suggestions. My word is a book of suggestions, and you should just make suggestions. And if people feel like they want it, it's like a buffet, just pick and choose. That's not what he says. He says, command and teach these things and sound doctrine. And what you believe affects how we live. He says, let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech and conduct and love and faith and purity. This is one of my favorite verses when I was doing student ministry, because I always, you know, I was of the mindset. Uh, so many, I think churches and this church really, this really isn't us. This isn't our DNA. Um, but so many churches and so many teenagers feel like, okay, well, you know, they're not really Christians. They're just like in the farm league. And one day they'll grow up and then they can live out their faith. And so that's not what scripture teaches. And he looks at a young Timothy and he says, Hey, I don't care how young you are. I don't care how much older they are. You set the example. You live out your faith. You make a difference. You, you, you be who I created you to be, do the things I called you to do. And not just one day today, do what I called you to do today. And some of you, you're young Christians in the room. Maybe you're not young in age, but you're just young in your faith. And, and Paul would say, and God would say, hey, set an example. Live out your faith. Teach it. Preach it. Practice it. Live it. Be like, it's not like you're going to do great things for God someday. Do great things for God today. The Spirit of God lives in you. Don't wait for tomorrow. Tomorrow. You don't have to. Verse 13, he says, Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. You ever wonder why we do what we do? When we come in here, whether it's a Wednesday night or Sunday morning, I mean, why do we get up here and read the Bible and then teach from it? Because that's the prescription, that's the model. We spend time in the Word of God, and then the Word of God transforms our hearts. And so because he commands Timothy here, and he, that's what he commands in the church. Devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. Then he says, do not neglect, neglect the gift you have, which was given you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. Practice these things. Immerse yourself and then, Listen to the strong language. He continues, you know, we're talking about training and straining and striving and all these things. He says, immerse yourself in them so, so that all may see your progress. Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this, for by so doing you will save both yourself and your hearers. Paul expected Timothy let me say something to that last verse. He's not talking about salvation. He's not saying, hey, do these things. So, because Timothy's saved. He's an elder. We just went through all the qualifications of an elder two weeks ago. And so Timothy is a mature believer. And so he's not saying that you'll be saved. But you, so that you'll be saved from, from harm. You'll be saved from destruction. You'll be saved from pain and regret and all these things. So make sure that you're, you're teaching the truth found in, in Scripture But what Paul is saying is he expected Timothy to build his life and his ministry on the Word of God. That's what he expected him to do. And that's what he expects us to do. To build our lives on the the Word of God. To build our ministries. To preach it. To teach it. To practice it. To set the example. To live according to what you teach. Don't be a hypocrite. Timothy, don't stand up and proclaim one thing and live another. And it's the same thing for you and for me. Now, we don't have to be perfect because he didn't say be perfect. He said progress. That we're to be growing. And so that's what God's calling us to, is to, is to growth, not perfection. We don't have to be perfect. But set the example. Don't, don't be a hypocrite. Live out what you, what you teach and what you preach. And so what he's saying is, is that our lives and our progress should validate our ministry and calling. Your life and your progress should validate your ministry and your calling. God had appointed him and gifted him. And what Paul is saying to Timothy is saying, don't waste your gift. Don't waste it. And what God is saying to us tonight, don't let your spiritual gift go to waste. Don't let, and this isn't just for, yes, he's speaking to to Timothy who is a pastor. Now, there may be some people in the room who are called to be a pastor. I don't know. But the point is, is most of us are not, okay? But, But the thing is, is that you have been gifted. God has a calling on your life. God saved you for a purpose. And he has a ministry for you for you, for every believer in the room. And so we may not be pastors, we may not all be pastors in here, but God has called us. God has equipped us. God has done these things. There was a band in, uh, in the 80s, which I believe is the greatest genre of music of all time. Uh, maybe it's because I grew up in the 80s, but uh, I mean, they still play it. So it's got to be good, right? But uh, so anyway, there was a band and it wasn't really a well-known band, but the name of the band was Living in a Box. And uh, what a great name, right? Who came up with the name Living in a Box? I don't know. But this is what, this is what I thought about. I think, I think many people in the church keep their faith in a box and they pull it out on Sunday and they pull it out on Wednesday. And what Paul is telling Timothy is the same thing he's telling us. is like, hey, build your life and your ministry on the Word. Preach it. Teach it. Practice it. Live it out before the world around you. And this, this passage challenges us to break open the box. To break open the box. And so God has called each of us to live out our faith and do the work that He's called us to do. We're gifted differently. We have different callings. We have different... But each one of us have been given faith to do the work that he's called us to to do and so we have to embrace we have to embrace that in verse 16 he says keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching persist in this here's here's what the bible teaches the bible teaches us that we need to give ourselves to thoughtful living We don't just go through life. We don't just go with the the wind of life. And wherever the wind blows, we go wherever that goes and we do whatever we do. You say, no, we need to—he calls us to thoughtful living. Think about this. Think about all the things that we talked about previously. Think about if you let yourself go. just If you stop giving any thought to your finances and you're just like, you know what? I want it. I'm going to buy it. How long is that going to last? I mean, for a while— but if but if you never give any thought to the things that you spend your stuff on, you don't you don't give any thought to your budget. You don't give any thought to how much money you're taking in and how much money is going out. You don't give any thought to what you need and what you want. You just go get what you want, and then you, you see what I'm saying. Like it, you would go, that makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. Think about uh, think about fitness, right? Think about how we get ourselves in all sorts of problems if we don't give us any thought. Now, some of you are blessed, and you have a metabolism that's off the chart, and I don't like you. I'm just saying. <laughs> it's not fair, because I have to watch what I eat. I have to, I have to take, pay careful attention. Now, there was a time when I didn't, but now I do. But just think, if, like, if we ate whatever we want, whenever we want, however we want, we didn't give any thought, I can tell you, it wouldn't take long for physical fitness to go out the window. Try that with your kids. You don't give any thought or attention to parenting. They'll figure it out. Right? They'll figure it out. They'll turn out okay. And you give zero thought, zero attention, zero energy, zero effort, zero anything. Hope for the best. That makes no sense. But so many people in the church take this approach when it comes to growing in godliness. We're like we we don't give it any thought and then we expect to reap the benefit and reward of growing in in godliness. We get ourselves in all sorts of problems and it's infinitely worse when it comes to the spiritual realm. I evidently forgot to Does your does your handout have an effective healthy life and ministry doesn't just happen. Well, I forgot to do a slide. So an effective, healthy life in ministry doesn't just happen. An effective, healthy life in ministry doesn't just happen. It requires self-discipline. And if you're going to choose a different course than the, than the direction in which the world is going, because that's what God has called us to. It's the narrow gate. It's the narrow path. It's the hard way. It's the difficult way. And if you're going to go in a completely different direction than the rest of the world is going, it's going to require self-discipline. You're going to have to give yourself to that fully, completely, completely. That's what, that's what scripture's teaching us here. So let's not get caught napping. Let's not get caught with our guard down. We got to be vigilant. We got to be vigilant. So I want to close with just a a few practical ways that this is, this is played out. Number one, the goal isn't godliness. So we think we're talking a lot about growing in godliness. The goal isn't godliness. The goal is the living God. It's God himself. Listen to, listen to what he says in verse 10. He says, For to this end we toil and strive. What? What end? because we have our hope set on the living God. The prize, the finish line, the goal, what we're pursuing and looking to achieve is is God himself, the living God. And what happens is, is when we pursue the living God, when we fix our eyes on him, when he's the one in which we pursue, then the byproduct of pursuing God is growing in godliness. But we don't fix our eyes on the things that we want to grow in. We fix our eyes on Christ, and then walking in obedience as He reveals those things to us, and then we walk those things out, keeping our eyes fixed on Him, pursuing Him, growing in Him. And then what happens is, is we become more godly, and we grow, and God shapes us and molds us more into who He He wants us to be. And so we got to keep our eyes on the right thing, and the right thing is Jesus. That's the right thing, and the byproduct of that is what we really wanted all along. That's the way it works. Number two, complete devotion is the approach we're to take. Complete devotion. In verse 15 and 16, he says, practice these things. Immerse yourself in them. He doesn't just say, wait around in the kiddie pool. He says, immerse yourself in them. Then he continues on and says, so that all may see your progress. Keep close watching yourself and your teaching. Persist in this. We are to give ourselves completely to the things of God. We are to give ourselves fully and wholly to God. We are to offer up in full surrender every area of our life. And you know what happens when we walk in radical obedience? It leads to radical growth. That's what happens. When we hold back we're like, okay, well, I'm, I'm okay with giving God this over here. Or I'm okay with this. Or, you know, this is, this is comfortable for me. This is convenient for me. This is easy for me. Then what we get is we get comfortable, easy, small, minimal growth. That's what we get. That's how it works. So think again about where we started. Many want to take the shortcut. They want radical growth without radical obedience. That's, that's what most people want. And most people think, okay, well, I'm going to be the exception. I'm going to be the one who actually, this is going to work for me. Well, it doesn't work that way. God, we, see, we build our lives on the truth found in Scripture, not on our own ideas, not on our own opinions. Paul didn't tell Timothy, hey, teach your opinion. He says, no, command and teach these things. And so we build our lives on, on these things. And we don't take the shortcut. We go God's way. It's better. Number three, godliness is never automatic. You know, I was thinking today, I was thinking about all the people, you know, it's such a small fraction of our population that are professional athletes. I don't know what the fraction is or what the percentage is, but it has got to be such a small, probably less than 1% has to be, right? Um, But I believe there are tons and tons of people who are living in the world who have the talent to be a professional athlete, but they'll never become one. They'll never be in the Olympics. They'll never play professional sports. But they've got all the talent, but they've never given themselves fully. They've never given themselves fully. They've They've never put in the hard work because it requires effort on our part. It requires discipline. But... Here's the thing. It's not all on us. Uh, We got to cover this before we end our time. It's not all on us. In Philippians chapter 2, he says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with trembling or fear and trembling. He says, "Work out your own salvation." Now he's talking to believers, so he's talking about work out your own growth, work out your own faith, work out your own sanctification process. Like work, work out your faith. You work that out, and then it says, "For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for His good pleasure." So, is it God who's at work, or is it us? Yes, is it God or is it us? It's not. It's not a, It's not either or. It's both and. And so, yes, we, we play a role, but it's God who's at work in us. And so we don't do this in our own strength and our own power. And he places his Holy Spirit within us. And so we're not left alone to accomplish the task of being vigilant over our own souls. God has called us to walk in obedience, to, to listen for his voice, to hear his voice, and then to follow his voice and to walk in obedience to that. And so we carry responsibilities. God enlightens us. We're to walk in obedience. And then when God enlightens us, we are to walk in obedience. Somebody asked me the other day, I was like, how do you know when you're called to ministry? And I'm like, "Um, well, if I'd known I was called back then, I probably wouldn't have taken the first step. I just knew that God was calling me to this. God was calling me to something more. I didn't know what that was, but I knew that he was calling me to this. And so I did that. And then when he showed me something else. I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to do that. And then once I did that, then he's like, okay, well, I want you to do this. And that's the way God works. We're just to to walk in obedience as God enlightens us and shows us and, and, and is leading us to do something. We just walk in obedience to that thing. And so we carry a responsibility to do that. And we're just cooperating with him and through the Holy Spirit through obedience. That's what we're doing. Number four. In order to grow in godliness, there are things I need to leave behind and disciplines that I need to start. In verse 7, he says, have nothing to do with these, but rather train yourself for this. There are things, if we're going to to do this, that means we're going to have to leave some things behind and we're going to have to leave those things behind, but we're going to need to pursue something. And so in Hebrews 12, 1, it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight. So he's saying, you're going to have to leave some things down that are weighing you down. And sin, which clings so closely. But it's not just leaving things behind. He continues and says, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. And so we are pursuing something. We're leaving something, and we're pursuing something. And so when I leave the gym... What I can't do, and I told you I was gonna be honest tonight, we're gonna to grow a little bit. The graduates in the room, they already know my problem with ice cream. It's bad, y'all. I'm just being honest, it's bad. I I so a tub of bluebell ice cream literally it's two servings. I don't know what it is for y'all, and I don't mean like me and my wife get a serving and then me and my wife get another serve. No, it's mine. One night I get a bowl, and then if I'm good, next weekend I get a bowl, and then the tub of ice cream is gone, finished. And so if if what I did was, and I got all kinds of stuff, I mean, I got, they make these soup holders, but if you got a serious ice cream problem, you know how the ice cream bowl is so cold? And, and especially if you have half the tub in there you're holding your ice cream bowl for a long time so you got to figure something out and so I got these soup holders that anyway sorry going too far all right but the point is this is is if I'm if all I'm doing is going to the gym and then when I leave the gym I go to Walmart and get my ice cream and every single day of my life I'm eating ice cream I'm never going to see any progress in my life why because there's some things I got to leave behind make sense and so, yeah, I need to do these things. I need to pursue these things. But there's some things that I've got, to, I've got to leave behind. And maybe, you know, maybe it's not, not bad, but it's a distraction or it keeps us from growing the way in which God calls us to. I was having a conversation with somebody yesterday and uh, they were asking me about um, dating somebody. And, uh, you know, I told them, I said, look, who you're talking about, they're, they're the right kind of person. Like they love Jesus, they're actively living out their faith. Um, It's not necessarily a bad thing. But the question is, is it the best thing? Because here's what I've been seeing in your life. I've been seeing you really, I've been seeing you really growing. I've been seeing God doing a lot of amazing things. I've seen you stepping up and stepping out. And and I've just seen you really just laser focused. And God is really blessing that and growing you in ways. And so it's not that whether or not, hey, is this a bad idea or is this a bad thing? Well, it may not be a bad thing. It may just not be the best thing for you right now. Because it may become a distraction from the thing that God wants for you in your life. And I'm not saying you shouldn't. I'm just saying we gotta ask some, We got to ask some questions. So that, there's some things that maybe we need to leave behind. Sometimes it's sin, but sometimes it's, it's not. Maybe it's just not the best thing, and we got to make sacrifices and discipline in order to grow in the way in which God wants us to grow. That, that's, just, that's just how it is. And we spend so much time just filling up every moment of every day where we leave ourselves zero margin, and we're just continually distracted by the things around us. And oftentimes what happens is we end up missing the best, the best thing. Lastly, small disciplines done consistently lead to big results over time. Small disciplines done consistently lead to big results over time. You know, if you were to ask me what what thing that I've done to succeed in growing in godliness? So like, what, what is the one thing? What's the big thing that you've done? It, it's, it's not one thing. And it's not one big thing. People think that we, I think oftentimes people think, man, we got to do this great big thing for God. No, just do the small things. Just walk in obedience in the, in the small things. You, you've heard us say this many times. The key is long obedience in the same direction. That's how growth takes place. That's how discipline is done. Nobody, nobody shows up playing the guitar professionally, picking it up for the first time. They've done it for, they, they've done it for a long period of time. And they've, they've, they've practice over and over and over and over again. And so the, the point is, it's just long obedience in the same direction. It's just these small steps of obedience. We're not a, a baby one day, an adult the next. But small disciplines over time close the gap between where we are and where God wants us to be. That's what happens. And so just walk in faithfulness right where you are. That's what he's called us to. Get in the Word of God. As you get in the Word of God, the Word of God will get in you. And it will transform you. And it will shape you. And it will grow you. And it's just just taking steps of obedience. You know, the, the whole question how do you eat an elephant well one bite at a time how do you run a marathon one step at a time see we we just we don't have to focus about the big picture just focus on what what, what's right in front of us and just be faithful to do the things that you know to do that God's showing you to do and he's enlightening you that's what and, and then what happens is is five years down the road you look back and you're like man look what God has done in my life like I never could have dreamed that I would be here but we don't we can't, we can't just overnight expect to, expect to be there. This is a journey. And it is a wonderful and beautiful journey, but it's a journey. And I know some of you are thinking, well, that's awesome, Brian. I'm not a disciplined person. Well, welcome to the club. I mean, I don't know many people that discipline is fun. Yeah, that's fun. No, ice cream is fun. <laughs> ice cream. yes. So no, I'm not disciplined. I have to force myself to be disciplined, but it's worth it. It matters. Discipline is hard, but it is necessary for our growth. We have to be telling ourselves no. If you're never telling yourself no, then you're not following Jesus. That is the truth. That is a reality. If you're never telling yourself no, you're not following Jesus. And so here's what I would say to close our time together. You're talking about discipline and talking about pain and talking about how difficult and hard it is. Well, choose your pain. The pain of discipline or the pain of regret. Because you're going to feel pain one way or the other. Now, you can choose to walk in discipline. You can train yourself. You can strive. You can toil. You can can give yourself to things that really matter. Or you cannot, and you will look back with regret. Or you will look in the mirror at regret. And so I encourage you. I encourage you, it's worth it. It's worth it. This is the prescription that God gives us. This is is the way. But for everybody in the room who's embraced this, you know how hard it is and you know how wonderful this is. You know how wonderful it is. And so let's just continue to grow in godliness. Remember, it's progress. We don't have to be perfect. Jesus was perfect. Let's just walk and let's grow together and let's Let's just move forward and progress together the way God wants us to. Let me pray. God, thank you for thank you for tonight. Thank you for your word. Thank you for how instructive it is. And thank you for how practical it is. And thank you for the fact that, God, this room is filled with people who want to grow. And thank you for not keeping us in the dark, but you've told us how that's possible. Thank you for the reality that that we're not striving in our own strength and our own effort, but in yours, that you've given us everything that we need to grow. You've given us everything that we need for godliness. You've done that. And so, Lord, we thank you. And, God, we just pray that you'd help us for each one of us in the room. None of us have arrived, so you're wanting to see growth in every single person's life. Just help us to be faithful to take the step that's in front of us and to walk in obedience. We thank you. We love you. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Y'all have a wonderful evening. Remember to continue to pray for Rebecca and Darren and the Brazil team, of Guatemala.